The Aeneid, Book 5, lines 847 to 871. Quiwix atolens palinoris lumina fator. Mene salis placidi vultum, fluctusque quietos ignorare ubes? Men huic confidere monstro? Aenean credum quidanem falacibus aris et caeli totiens de captus fraudis sereni? Talia dicta dabat, clavum quad fixus et hirens. Nusquam amitebat, oculosque sub ashra tenebat. Ecce, Deus ramum lathio rore madentem, vique soperatum stugia super utraque quasat tempora, cunctantique non tantia lumina solvit. Vix primos in opina quies laxawerat artus, et super incumbens cum pupis parte revosa. Cumque gubernaclo liquidas proiecit inundas precipitem, ac socios nequiquam saipe vocantem. Ipse volans tenuis se sustulit alis ad oras. Curit iter tutum non setius aequore classus, promisisque patris Neptune interita fertur. Iam quadeos scopulos sirenad vecta subibat. Deficilis quondamotorum quosibus albus, tum rocat siduo longe sale saxa sonabant, cum pater amiso fluentanterare magistro sensit, et ipse ratem nocturnis rexin undis mota gemens casuquanimum concusus amici. O nimium caelet palago confise sereno, Nudus in ignota palinore, Jacobus harena. Scarcely raising his eyes, Palinore says, You order me to forget what I know about the appearance of the gentle salty sea, and to forget the tranquil waves? To place my trust in this monster? For how could I entrust Aeneas to these fallacious winds, as I am often deceived by the guile of the serene sky? He spoke these words, and grasping and clinging to the helm, he never lost his grip and kept his eyes on the stars. But behold, the god shakes above both of his temples, a branch dripping with the dew of leth, a branch stupefied with the power of the sticks. And although Palinurus tried to resist, his floating eyes weakened. Scarcely an unexpected sleep relaxed his first limbs, and reclining above him, the god threw Palinurus, who was calling out to his friends many times in vain, headlong into the peaceful waves with a plucked-out part of the stern and rudder. And the god, flying as a bird, carried himself along the thin breezes. The fearless fleet traverses the voyage on the sea in no more danger than was foretold by the promise of Father Neptune. And now the departing fleet approached the crags of the Sirens, white with the bones of many men. Formerly, it was difficult to traverse. At that time, the rough rocks were resounding from afar with the constant waves. When Aeneas felt that his wavering ship was wandering without a helmsman, he seared the ship himself on the waves of the night, terrified by the fate of his friend and lamenting much. O Palinurus, confident too much in the sky and the peaceful ocean, you will be thrown naked onto an unknown shore. Palinurus is another unlucky soul, struck down by fate and the gods, in order for Aeneas to reach destined Italy. As Aeneas is helmsman, he is visited by Somnus in the end of Book 5, and is instructed to rest his eyes and let Somnus take over steering the fleet. However, Palinurus does not listen and is put to sleep by the god and falls into the ocean. The reason why Palinurus dies in this manner is because earlier in Book 5, 
Neptune promises Venus that Aeneas will safely reach Latium on calm waters, but only if a single life is given in return. Palinurus' main appearance is in Book 5, but also makes an appearance in Book 6 when Aeneas travels to the underworld. During the scene, Palinurus begs Aeneas to give his bones a proper burial, and the Sibyl promises Palinurus that the people who discover Palinurus' body will appease your bones, will build you a tomb and pay your tomb due rites, and the site will bear the name of Palinurus's now and always. But why is Palinurus unfairly chosen to die? Palinurus's death is sequential in a continuous Virgilian theme of Morse taking place at the end of prior books. In book 2, Creusa dies. In book 3, Anchises dies. And in book 4, Dido dies. Not only do these characters all die at the end of these books, but they all die in order for Aeneas to arrive safely in Latium. In other words, they were all subjected to fate and the intervention of the gods. This principle, named by Burkert, is called pars pro toto, and it refers to accepting the small loss in order to save the whole, and Virgil uses it because it is highly rational to employ and highly emotional at the same time. Through his use of pars pro toto, Virgil displays a rather eerie and somber tone in this passage. Although Virgil uses a lot of adjectives noting how peaceful the ocean and sky were during Palinurus's death, those like placati, quietos, sereni, and liquidos name a few, Palinurus dies vocantem socios nequiquam, calling out to his karmas in vain while he is thrown headlong into the ocean, drowning without any indication that anyone heard the helmsman's cries. This eerie tone is especially present when Virgil writes about how the fleet approached the crags of the sirens, which were white with the bones of many men. Sirens are mythological creatures, half-human, half-bird, who lived on cliff sides and would lure passing travelers to them by singing pleasant songs. Then they would wreck the approaching ships, killing the sailors. This detail about the sirens could have been omitted, but Virgil cleverly lights about the sirens to enhance the somber tone of Palinurus' death, as sleep had to work quickly so as to ensure that Palinurus could be cast overboard as a quasi-offering to the sirens. Further adding to this eerie tone of this passage are Virgil's final words in Aeneas' epitaph to Palinurus at the end. Nudus in ignota, Palinore, Iacabus harena. Palinurus will eventually wash up on the Italian shore, but Virgil notes that this shore will be ignota, or unknown. Palinurus is lost forever, and no matter how hard the Trojans search for his body, it will forever remain a mystery as to its whereabouts. Palinurus' body is also nudus, or naked, stripped of its former Trojan distinction to whoever happens upon it. Virgil uses an eerie tone for this section because it complements the unfair fate of Palinurus. Everything seems to be going great for the Trojans after the games Aeneas holds for Anchises throughout most of Book 5, until Palinurus is unjustly chosen for death. The eerie tone in this passage also sends chills down your spine, forcing you to shudder the dark fate of an innocent victim. Besides the tone, another aspect of Virgil's portrayal of Palinurus which I find interesting is the dichotomy between his brief speech in the beginning of this section and Aeneas's at the end. Palinurus makes it very clear that he does not trust the calm waves and a clear sky. Palinurus is an experienced helmsman, but would not easily be thrown overboard by the worsening of conditions. However, in the last lines of the book, Aeneas laments the steersman's fate and comments, pathetically inappropriately as it seems, in view of Palinurus's earlier indignant refusal to trust the elements, that Palinurus died through overconfidence in the calm sea and sky. It seems odd for Virgil to attribute Palinurus with being a great helmsman, only to have Aeneas discredit this distinction a mere 20 lines later. However, it is typical of Aeneas to be ignorant of his situation, contrary to other epic heroes. When Aeneas is funding for Troy in Book 2, Venus has to come down to show him how the gods were destroying Troy and there was no hope in saving the city. Similarly, in the underworld, 
Aeneas sees Dido for the first time since leaving Carthage and has no idea she killed herself because he left. Fortunately for Palinurus, Aeneas eventually realizes that the vine foul play was involved when he meets Palinurus in the underworld. Now to finally transition to Virgil's style. There are many instances in this passage which epitomize Virgil's distinct style. To begin, Virgil employs vocabulary in this section in order to generate a more epic emotion to the lines. In line 861, he uses alles to describe psalmist flying away from Palinurus instead of using more colloquial terms uh, meaning birds such as awis or voluquis. Additionally, Virgil does not use mare even once to describe the ocean, instead opting to use the epic word ikor in line 862. For the other instances when Virgil mentions the ocean, he uses other nouns such as solus, fluctus, and undas to describe the features of the ocean, which further enhance the imagery of the scene, contributing to the epic feel. Another stylistic feature present within this passage, which is characteristically Virgilian, is the repetition of an idea using different sets of words. In Palinurus' short speech alone, there are two examples of repetition of the same idea. The first is in line 848, Mene sals placidi vultum fluctus quae quietus. Palinurus references the ocean twice in the adjective noun pair salus placidi vultum and fluctus quietus. The second example in Palinurus' speech is in lines 850-851, I neon credum quidanim Philakibus aris et Kaili totiens de Keptus frade sereni. This time, Philakibus aris and Kaili sereni describe the treachery of the weather. These two examples of repetition allow the reader to better picture the scenery Palinurus is currently experiencing, adding to the vividness of the poem. To summarize, this patch at the end of Book 5 is dark, as it highlights the fated death of an innocent victim, while sticking to the Virgilian theme of death at the end of sequential books, or pars pro toto.